0: To your school, proudly presented by Gecko and Company Investment Corporation, laying waste to enemies and allies alike since 1987. Gecko and Company, greed is good. I am Ryland Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Award winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant Banjax and now Suicide Jockeys. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the left is.
1: David Avalone, uh, film guy, comic book writer, and uh, coffee achiever.
0: Coffee achiever. If you missed any of our previous Conversations episodes uh, <laughs> featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, and on and more, and good and great, <laughs> our entire catalog uh, can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. so double on back and check it out. Um, we should, uh, maybe fit some plugs in before we get to our guests. Great show today, but, uh, let's, let's pimp some stuff, huh?
1: Uh, currently in stores is Elvira, Elvira, meets Vincent Price number two, uh, cooking along nicely, number three coming in October. Uh, as I often say about that series, if the title doesn't move you, the comic isn't for you. (laughs) Elvira meets Vincent Price. That should be enough, right? If, if, if you, you dig, dig that, those people, then you dig that. dig that. You dig that, comic. Uh Ryland, what do you got out in the world?
0: Uh, my latest and greatest. It is a tokusatsu joint uh, titled Suicide Jackies, which is in comic shops uh, right now uh, via Sourcepoint Press. Uh, tokusatsu, for the uninitiated, is the Japanese sci-fi action genre that includes joints like uh, Power Rangers and Super Sentai, and uh, and, um, uh, Kaiju Fair, like Godzilla, uh, in a nutshell, this is Fast and the Furious meets, um, Voltron with a extra dollop of heart and soul and a little, uh, uh, uh Soto Zen Buddhist influence. So, um, it is a Howlin' Mad ride. You're going to love it. Most fun I ever had making a book. So go out and get it. Suicide jockeys. But, uh, let's, uh, let's bring the gang in, huh?
1: Our guests today are Anthony and Jacqueline. Guys. Hey guys. Welcome hey. to the show. Anthony, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well,
2: I'm really excited to be here first off. So thank you both so much for having Jackie and I on. We're really excited about this. Little known fact, this is actually our first ever joint interview. Jackie and I have never done an interview together before, nice. so this is a first time. Outside of when we got engaged and we had to do a fun little thing for the newspaper, that was great. But... Professional wise, this is our first one, so Mm -hmm. it's really exciting to do this. I'm probably way more excited. Oh, I got to point this way.
0: Do it all the time.
2: It's all right. But um, so hi everybody. My name is Anthony Marquis. I'm the president of the Kubert School. I'm also an editor and artist, having done work for Dynamite DC Comics and pretty much everybody else that's out there. Uh, Currently, I just did one of the covers for Elvira. And that is true. Great. Right now. And then I also have Batman Audio Adventure Special, I believe, coming out in October. And then I have some really cool stuff coming out after that that I'm really, really excited, but I'm not allowed to talk about.
1: (laughs) But it's going to be great. I can tell you that. Very, very excited. And Jacqueline, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, yes, I'm the wife of Anthony Marquez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> so much more. operations than that. here at the school, I unfortunately I'm not as talented as everyone else here uh, on the panel. I am not an artist of any sort, but um, I just help out in the back end of the stuff for with the school and helping out as much as I can with anything: students, faculty, staff. Doing nice. my Don't let her
2: trick you. <laughs> Don't let her trick you, she's very talented. Pretty much whenever uh, we work on something, uh, it's always together, even when I'm working on a page. Uh, Jackie is the in-house editor. So I always go to Jackie set <laughs> a discussion and we go over everything. So don't let her trick you. Yeah. She's very, very, nice. very
1: creative. All right. And make she sure ready. he
3: hits his deadlines, you know? <laughs>
1: do or die. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Anthony, you and I met, you were editing some of my first books uh, as a writer. I think, weren't you the editor on Doc Savage? Doc Savage, And you were doing yeah. a cover
2: on that. Ring on of Doc. Fire, if I believe Ring correctly, right? Yep. That's right, that was, and then- That was an awesome book. I love- Thank you. That character, I love that story that you wrote that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Amelia yeah. Earhart was in
1: that, yes. I, be- I believe. Amelia, yeah, guest starring, no. yes, starring Amelia Earhart, because why not? It's 1938, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> love it. Um, no, that's literally how I came up. I have this great uh, book that I use for research called The Timetables of History, and it's literally like history broken down into trivial pursuit categories and everything that happened in any given year. And when I got that assignment, knowing the period of Doc Savage, I literally just opened it up to the mid-30s and went, what happened in 1937, 38, 39 that Doc Savage would have been interested in? I went, Oh. Amelia Earhart went missing. That's a Doc Savage kind of assignment to take on. That's kind of an interesting thing. And then I made her Pat Savage's girlfriend, which was an entirely different thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I thought a little worthwhile you know modernization of the of the of the franchise. But I thought you handled it really
2: well overall. Because a lot of times when you hear that people are bringing uh, history into the stories, at times you kind of go. Ugh. Uh, Yeah, You know, like with the, with real life figures kind of being injected into a story, you got to be really careful and you got really, it's a real balancing act. And Uh, yeah, yeah, you did a really wonderful job of making it interesting and the characters still rang true. So, uh,
1: where the person rang true and you did a really great job with
2: it and everything that
1: you've done so far. So that's, thank you, Anthony. It's very kind. The, the interesting thing talking about history is, uh, that was actually how I was going to tee up the first real question I had is, uh, When I was a kid, the comics I read were mostly DC's war books. And one thing that distinguished DC's war books is virtually every single one of them had a cover by Joe Kubert. It was like literally one of the first names I ever learned in comics because even if he didn't draw the interiors, he did every single cover. And it was kind of an amazing output for one man at the time. Uh, and then I I can't remember when I dimly became aware of the existence of the Kubert Soul. probably ads in the back of comic mm-hmm. books I don't know when they started showing up in the eighties and it was usually a uh, it was usually in one of his Tarzan drawings or Sergeant Rock <laughs> was the was the advertisement yeah so the original one they started
2: off with Tor he would use Tor the his his own character uh, right. which, which was a caveman adventures you know right. in million B C And that was really incredible stuff, that was really great. But the school was founded in 1976, and that's when it it all really started. So the ads started sprinkling out, and people all around the world started learning about this thing called the Joe Kubert School, and that you could actually come somewhere and learn how to draw comics and become a professional this way. And people got really excited about it, and they all started coming out. And originally, where the students are now housed, we call it the mansion, or the Baker Estate, Uh, It's on six and a half acres of property. It's an old mansion built in 1894 and has a carriage house as well. Uh, That was the original school. And that's where the students all started coming. So, I mean, just legendary artists that were all going over there. Um, And then what happened was it became so popular that Joe needed to get a bigger facility. So he wound up purchasing the Dover High School or Middle School, which no longer was at that point in time. And that's where we still reside today. So we have done many improvements. Of course, it doesn't look like the same building as it was 100 years ago. Uh, but it, it's really a wonderful place for people that are looking to get into this industry to come and learn.
1: But it was, it was a closed middle school? Is that what it originally was? So what happened was this building
2: that I'm currently in and Jackie's in as well. We're just in different parts of the building at this point in time. Um, it was built over a hundred years ago at this point. Um, Originally it was the Dover High School in New Jersey. And then it became the Dover Middle School around the sixties. And then that lasted up until I believe late seventies or very, very early eighties, like 1980. And then Joe wound up purchasing the school in 1983, 1984. And that's when the students began over here.
1: Nice. I got to admit when I saw the ads first just because they were ads in the back of a comic book i think my first impulse was oh this is some kind of correspondence school you know draw a tour and send it in and you'll be you know you'll be accepted as yeah but it was something far more elaborate than that obviously and how many like the first generation was it classes of 10 people 20 people 100 people like what was the what was the genesis like I believe the
2: first group was they had 20 something students that came for that first year. And if you ever look at those old ads, there was a limit on the total number of students, because like I said, it was held in an old estate, So you really couldn't max out, you know, so they had about a max of 60 something students back then. Um, And then, like I said, once Joe realized that there was this great demand and there was even more of a demand than what he even imagined, he had to go to a larger facility. So then all of a sudden you had over, you know, like 100 students or more all coming out to Dover to to learn this craft.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And he designed Joe, Joe designed his own curriculum. Did like did he teach from anything? Did he drag out the Will Eisner every once in a while to show people or? You know so joe comics the, the marvel way i kind of mm-hmm. have a hard time imagining him using that <laughs> uh,
2: no yeah joe worked uh, and created this really wonderful curriculum uh, we still stay true to that curriculum even to this day uh, mm-hmm. we've expanded upon it of course with all the different you know technologies that are made available to artists that are out there and writers uh, graphic designers and storyboard artists uh, but we're always looking to build upon joe's curriculum because it works you know we have over 45 years of history proving that it works so it's really a wonderful thing uh that he created and we're so happy to just keep on building upon it
1: now what in the original uh in joe's original design was he also was he just teaching art or was he also teaching writing from the beginning and lettering and coloring and editing and everything else so it wasn't just Joe teaching by himself. You right.
2: know, you also had guys like High Eisman, legendary mm-hmm. artist, Erwin Hasen, Tex Blaisdell. I mean, if you name it, they were all coming out here and teaching. Um, and it was really incredible, but there was all different classes. So you had to learn. Lettering, you had to learn. And mm-hmm. I'm talking hand lettering. You know, you're right. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're really doing art there. The you are having hands yeah. guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had hand coloring, painting. Uh, and it's it's all the same, even now, we still have ten classes a week that you have to take, and that goes from digital production, narrative art, basic drawing, lettering. you know we cover everything. It's all there still. And so you have two classes a day and then you also have a study hall in the afternoon. So it's like I said, it's still the
1: same thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And is it primarily commuter students, or does do people actually move into a to- apartments nearby, or do you have a dormitory set up? like what's the deal yeah. with that?
3: So the old so, Baker estate, sorry, the old Baker's Baker. is our um, housing for the students and the carriage house as well. So right now, all the um, guys are in the mansion and that houses could be up to like 40 people. And then the carriage house is another um, for the students. So we've turned kind of, you know, it's still all the original from Joe between the mansion and everything. And now, even though that we're at this building, we're still incorporating what so,
1: is it primarily dormitory students or is there also a mix with uh, commuters from the tri state? We have some commuters that come, but
2: primarily, you know, you're looking at about half or a little bit under half of your student body uh, is staying in our dorms or in wow. facilities that are available to them. We also try to direct them to other places that are around this area that they can get apartments, uh, and that's always a huge help. But one of the other really incredible things that we did and then we finally got approved and something that people were clamoring for, they really wanted this, was to be able to take part in our full-time program online. So we were able to get full approval. So now we're able to offer the full-time program online to students everywhere. We already have a lot of students that come from all around the world that actually stay here. We have folks from Argentina, France, Israel, you name it. But, you know, We've had students from there, Japan, but now also with everything else going on in the world, we realize that maybe we can make this a little bit easier for folks And now we've been able to have that full approval to be able to offer the full time course online. Right.
1: And and what's the length of the course? Like how many is it a year? Is it two years? Like what's the what's the sweep of it? Mm -hmm. It's a three year program. Mm -hmm.
2: So you have three years of 10 classes each year and you kind of level up each time. Um, It's very immersive. You're going to be drawing all the time. I tell people you've never drawn as much or you won't draw as much <laughs> as when you're here at the school. So it, it's really a wonderful thing though, because for those of us that just love to draw, or we love to work in comics and learn everything about it or commercial art in general, this is the best place in the world to be. I used to always tell everyone, this is my favorite place on earth, you know, and it's located right in Dover, New Jersey. It's so funny. <laughs> People have Disney World as number one. I got the Cooper <laughs> School as number one. And were you a student
1: there before you took it over?
2: Had you ever gone? Yeah, actually. So Jackie, I mean, if it wasn't for Jackie, I would never have come, been able to come to this school. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when she knows when I was a, a student or before I was even a student, I was trying to come here and uh, it just didn't work out. I just couldn't pull it off. So Jackie was my girlfriend at the time and we worked together and she was she really got my head on straight and said, this is what you got to do. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And she came up with the big plan and you know, she uh, really got me to get going forward. And so then I wound up being a bartender for a year. And, uh, you know, I tried to save up every dollar that I could. And we wound up coming the following year. And I was a student for three full years working at the same time. I was also the security guard at the school, which is really funny to think <laughs> about. I'm so intimidating, I was you
3: just know. Say that. The who <laughs> buys the
2: yeah. But uh, yeah, I wound up, I was the security guard. And the beautiful part about that was that um, I took that position, of course, because it, it paid you know a poor student a little bit more more money, but I was able to also talk with Adam and Andy and Joe every day. So I was always bothering Joe and he was so gracious and so sweet to offer his time up, not only to me, but to all the students. And it was just a, an incredible experience being able to learn from someone like him.
1: Sure. Sure. It sounds
0: like it sounds like this amazing environment, you know, and I think that it's very unique in terms of the the, the comic world. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there there are eight million film schools now. and it's not to say that there aren't art programs at colleges and stuff like this, but this just feels like a very unique conservatory environment. I mean, I I was lucky. I went to the American American Film Institute Conservatory. You know, that that was the film school I went to, and it was where you know, David Lynch went and Aronofsky went and a bunch of other snooty filmmakers (laughs) that that, that I don't need to sit here and mention, but it was like, it was such a, it was such a gift to have two and a half years there, um, where all I had to do was make films. And I was just surrounded by people who were making Mm -hmm. films and passionate about films and talking about making films and and critiquing each other in like a very interesting collaborative spirit. It was, um, I mean, it changed me. Uh, I mean, it it was I mean, it was tough in a lot of ways and cutthroat in other ways, because, of course, there's a competitive uh, uh, spirit to all, you know, but it also I mean, it made me who I am as a creator in like a very real way. Of course, there are other influences and stuff like that. But um, the idea of coming to this place uh, where all you have to worry about is is drawing, making comics, learning to tell stories. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's this weird thing. I mean, when I was, um, when I was 22 and I was at AFI, I didn't realize how amazing it was. You know, you talk about it being, you talk about it being the greatest place on earth um and it, it's not just about a place right i mean for, for you you found a way to stay there right. forever <laughs> which i think is very interesting and, and and tell something you know i i think you know it's a it's a very interesting psychological it's Peter quest, Pan
3: but, at the Tan <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah but but it's not just about place is it i mean a lot of it is a it, it is this intersection of time and place and uh and 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 uh you know it's about where you are in your development and all these things and it's like um Uh, you know, I remember my, I remember my stepdad, uh, when he dropped me off at college saying, you need to, you're not going to realize this, but, but, you know, let me try to get you to understand that these are going to be the best four years of your life. And just, just, you know, it's going to be hard. You're going to have tough days, all of that stuff. But when you can just take a step back and remember that these are going to be the best years of your life. And, And he was absolutely right. You know, I mean, there was, it was this wonderful environment. It was this like, uh. Um, you know, they carved out this little box for me to to learn and explore myself as a person and my interests and what I wanted to do with my life and all of these things. It was, you know, I don't get that now. You know, now I'm, not, I'm, yeah. I'm older. I have a mortgage. I have a kid. Yeah. I have uh, uh, deadlines. I have I have. Uh, um, um, uh, is such a gift and and it is this it is the greatest place the greatest time it is this like uh, i don't know what you call it like this oasis this like this little holodeck of learning and inspiration and um um yeah so uh so sign me up how do do i apply
2: (laughs) yeah i just want to touch on just a little bit about the school and then of course i'll tell you how to apply of course Mm -hmm. um but the thing it's exactly what you're saying and it's funny what jackie said when she said peter pan um But, you know, doing this sort of a job, yes, it's a job at times. And it can be frustrating and it can be, you know, you get aggravated and it's tough. It can be really tough. But, man, how great is it that we all get to play for a living? You know, we're literally playing. We get to use our imagination. How fantastically wonderful is Mm -hmm. that? Not everybody gets to do that. And understanding how special that is, I think, is key. You know, uh, if you take it for granted, that's a sad thing. That's a, real, that's a sin. Mm-hmm. But man, you gotta, you gotta love it because it, it's so special to be able to do what we do. And uh, that's what this place is. It's just it's exactly what you said. It's an oasis of fun, man. You know, some of the the, the best conversations of the day, we, it was so funny. We had a big discussion or a debate about, did Uncle Ben have to die in order for Spider-Man to become a hero? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, or is it, does he just have to be truly good as a character, you know, right. to, you know, that have that want to become a hero? And it's like, that was a great discussion. It was really a lot of fun because then we all started chiming in. It was awesome just to hear the different points of view in the class. And it's just exciting. It's very, very exciting.
3: Yeah.
1: It's, you know, it's also my ride here. It's also, uh, <laughs> I think some people, when they approach the arts, be it film or comics or anything, I think there's this idea that, uh, this completely mistaken idea that, you know, you're you're touched by a gift from God and that's all that matters and your desire to do it is all that matters. And I came to comics late. I was 49 years old when I got my first assignment to write a comic book. And uh, I... When, you know, I should be educated in what, I've read them, but I don't know how they work. I've never bothered, I've talked about this before. I wanted to be a filmmaker my whole life, so I studied films. When I was a small child, I was still aware of cameras and acting and special effects and lighting and how all of that worked. Comics I read with a completely uncritical, you know, la, 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 turning the pages, being entertained. And literally when I got my first job, I went to the shelf, pulled down, you know, Watchmen and went, nine panel grid, never noticed that before. That's interesting. (laughs) Pulled down New Frontier and went, three scope panels a page. Fascinating. That's a a completely different kind of storytelling in two different books that I admire. Um, And not knowing any of that, not knowing the psychology of how page turns work to propel a story, you know, I think about the idea of people who just glide into this because they think their screenplay would make a good graphic novel and don't bother to learn any, like, and they've spent their whole lives, as I did, studying film as an art form and for some reason assume that comic books are going to be easy and require no study and no, you know, uh, and, you know, I always say to people, it was the most exhilarating thing at 49. It made me feel like a small child again. To go, I have, there is an art form I can learn something about. Like I can, I can, all that joy I had in film school when I was 18, 19, 20, I can have that at 49 by caring about this new thing. And I did it, you know, for want of a better word, the hard way. I sat around with the Eisner and the McLeod and the, you know, Mm -hmm. and how to draw comics the Marvel way and all that. Mm -hmm. And went, oh, that's interesting. That's how that works. Um, But it's great that you have a formal place. And as Rylan said, it is kind of interesting that there are a million film schools and only one Kubert school. I mean, I'm sure there are other places one can learn. As you said, every, I think Rylan said, every college has an arts program. But an arts program is not well, a graphic novel. Well, yeah, and comic
0: well, well, Yeah, well, here's yeah. the thing: is every every college has a film program, also, you know. But it's not, you know, it's not AFI, it's not, you know, mm-hmm. NYU, it's not, you know, what I'm saying. And then um, that sort of immersive experience, uh, um, you know, I think um, uh, uh, Avaloni and I did a, a panel uh, recently for LA Film School students. Um, where we we rounded up a bunch of uh, uh professionals who were working in both comics and film and the whole gist of the panel was why you should be working in comics you know there's there's a there's a lot more opportunity in, in, in comics right now than there is you know in, in film and they're getting a first-class visual uh arts education of course there's still work to do and whatnot but um but you should be looking at comics as a as a profession and and you, you know, yeah, I'm like, hey, LA Film School, why, why aren't you doing this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they have a recording school, they have a film school. Like, it seems like the next logical step. No, no, nobody's, nobody's doing it. And and you know, in the bottom line is they wouldn't do it as well as you guys are doing. I'm not saying the LA Film School. I'm saying sure, like, sure, sure. You, 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 know, if, you know, you know. I mean, there, there, there's such a tradition. There's such a, uh, a, a rooting. I mean, I think they can look at the table and see that that it's like, well, you know, this isn't our world. But it's it's amazing that that you guys are. You guys are firmly standing on this corner. and <laughs> Nobody's taking it from you. <laughs> you know, when you
2: do what we do, and I'm talking about the school, yeah. you're not going to find a better place. You're not. Um, we are so thorough. And the way that we teach storytelling is based off of, of Joe's curriculum, like we were talking about earlier on. We're still based on that. Um, and Joe is the best at it. So... You're not going to learn it anywhere better, you know. So it all comes down to being able to tell a story with your art, and more so than you know being this incredible draftsman or anything like that. If you can't tell a story with your artwork, especially when it comes to comics, then you failed the job. You didn't do your job, um, and that's what we do here. We create incredible storytellers, cartoonists that can go out there and tell a story better than anyone. And that's why when you take a look at our alumni list, that stretches all the way back and majority of everyone's still working um it's it's the absolute best
1: well and that's the the storytelling piece is interesting to me because i still pick up you know marvel comics dc comics and i look at a page in a professional comic book and i go this doesn't the eye trace doesn't work on a page in a marvel right. comic how is that freaking possible that nobody cared <laughs> you know that nobody saw this saw these layouts and went that doesn't I can't that doesn't make any sense. I can't follow what's yeah. happening. To me, that's like the number one thing on any page is is the story being tell told and you know, is my eye moving the right way on the page? And man, if you haven't got that down, you're yeah. just making pretty pictures. And there are people out there who are making very pretty pictures that make no sense. You know? Yeah. And uh it always it's, it's, what's, it's what's happening in film also though, right? I mean Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I always argue in favor of take it seriously, learn about it, be better about, it, be better at it. Like, why, why would you possibly not want to be better at it? You know, hundred percent. That's, uh, you know, what, uh, what were the circumstances that came up with you taking over the school? <laughs> I, I, always, I have a great answer for this. This is how I love to give this answer.
2: Um, whatever you can imagine it being. Is much better than whatever the real story is. (laughs) That is my uh, go to uh, response to that. That's always the question that I get asked. But I always like to say now whatever you can imagine it being (laughs) is so much more interesting, so much more complex than it could ever be. So Um, you're
1: saying it was simple.
2: (laughs) I think the hardest part was convincing (laughs) you. But here you are. How did you feel? When I, when I told you about it the, the first day?
3: Uh, I said, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure. How'd that I'm work like, out for also, you?
3: More so from like, you know, it's a huge undertaking. Um, my family has owned previous businesses in the past and I knew what it would entail. And with two very little ones at the time, right. you know, it's a little nerve wracking based on scheduling and everything. So it's like from that standpoint, Did I love the school 100 percent? Do I love the family? Everything about it screamed yes in that regard. So there was no hesitation in that in that regard. It was just more of like, can we do this because we work very well together, Anthony and I, and we're always a team and we bring the kids along with us to everything. So it was more so the juggling of all of that aspect that was at first like, oh, dear, (laughs) what are we getting into? And then but then it was like, all right, fine. I mean, he did take me to Disney World, and I think that's when I started, so.
1: <laughs> Pretty sure that's had to bring cool. her to her Disney favorite school please. 101. Take your, take your partner to Disney <laughs> Any <World>
3: vacation. <laughs> steal the, steal the deal. Mm-hmm.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah. And no. between when I met you, when you were editing, you also uh, owned a shop. I still, Jackie
2: and I still own Dewey's Comic City. That's a, another comic shop. Uh, it's a great comic shop. It's, that's actually been around for over 25 years as well. I have not owned it all 25 years. A wonderful man named Dan Beltree uh, owned Dewey's Comic City. Uh, during COVID, though, we did have to relocate uh, just because, you know, there was nothing new coming out and it was a little bit difficult and very open and honest about that. Sure. So we actually wound up relocating right here to the Joe Kubert School. So now it's another really great option for the students to be able to go downstairs. We have our own art store on premise as well. So the students have are able to go and pick up any of the supplies that they might might need. Uh, if they want to get some new reading material, we have that on hand as well. Um, but really, it's also open to the to the public. A lot of people seem to think that it's just for our students no it's also open to the public so don't worry you're more than welcome to come on in uh we always have a lot of really guest, great guest signings at the shop as well um even in the art store we have different guests come in and do different demos with the supplies that we have available so it's a really cool space and it just adds to the overall and uh I don't know the aura, the excitement of everything that we have going on at the school. Because you never know what's going to happen next. There's always something exciting happening. Yeah.
3: Sure, and it's, that's great. You know, it's, it's been great for the community around here as well. They've really yeah. accepted the comic book store and everything. We've had a great response, and you know, we're just really happy that we're able to transition it to here.
1: That's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I I know that the I know the pandemic was you know a difficult thing for a lot of retailers and, you know, some places managed to hold on by the skin of their teeth. Some did not,
3: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, I had a book that had been solicited for, I had a trade that had been solicited for April 29th, 2020. Oh man. And we were like, should we fulfill these orders? And my partner was like, dude, you don't know that the stores that made those orders still exist. Yeah, was yep. like that is a dark thought, and you're absolutely right. Of course, we yeah. can't yep. just, you know, he's like we would be literally throwing these books off a cliff, you know, and hoping <laughs> yeah. they landed in someone's uh, mailbox, and maybe they would, and maybe they wouldn't. So yeah. uh, it was a challenging time, and it must have been a challenging time for the school. Did you go to only rem- remote classes, or did you have to close down? You did. A while? You know, yeah. so what we did was we went completely remote. Um,
2: and that was great. I am so proud of all those students, all the instructors and the staff. I, sorry if you hear the phones ringing in the background, um, but I'm so proud of everybody that was involved because just the way that we were able to flip that switch and so quickly adapt to everything that was going on and to maintain the, the quality of education that the students were receiving was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, it's hard to do what we all do And to all of a sudden have to switch it online where now all of a sudden you're not able to give that sort of instruction in person and really sit there Um, but from this we learned so much and how to improve the ways that we teach how to utilize the online aspect to improve our in-person classrooms so now every single classroom has hd tvs gigantic televisions in each classroom we record and live stream our classes to our online students, but we also invite all of our in-person students into the online classroom as well. So this way, rather than having to gather around a desk and everybody stare down and try to figure out what the the instructor's drawing, now we can actually watch it in live HD on our computers while sitting at our desks in the same Mm -hmm. room. You can, we also record everything. So now if you wanna go back and watch that demo, see how it was done, you could, record it, I mean, rewind, fast forward, jump right. throughout the lecture. Mm-hmm. And it's really incredible how much that's helped the students and how much it's helped the teachers, you know? Uh, and that's just a really great benefit that we've gotten from this. Uh, but, you know, I would not wanna have to
1: go through that again. Yeah. That was no, a sure. horrible, horrible sure. time. No, it, it, okay. was, it, was a, it was a stress test for literally every yeah. aspect of human society. And like a lot of things, you know, you people did learn better ways of doing things. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I mean,
0: yeah, the, the businesses, run. yeah, I mean, the businesses, the industries that survived, they aged, you know, ten, fifteen years, and in about eighteen months, right? Yeah. Um, you had to. I mean, that was the requirement. It was a sink or swim sort of thing. And so because of that, it sounds like you've sort of come out of the pandemic, not that we're out of it yet, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, as this kind of, you know, you mutated in a very interesting way and you have these new grand powers and you're in a way like a, you know, even though it was tough and, uh, and like all of us, you know, you took it on the chin a couple of times, you came out a much stronger, more versatile yes. sort of version of, of, of what you were. And that's, that's exciting. I mean, in fact, it made you. I mean, here's the thing: is because, like, I mean, the the beauty of what you guys do is that this teaching method is is tried and true. You've been doing it forever, right? You know, you know, and yeah. and, and, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, we just talked about well, nobody can do what you're doing because because I've been doing it for so long. You know, n- n- you know, nobody has that tradition and those reps, and, and 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 so it would be easy to get to a place where it's like, okay, well, we don't have to change anything, right? Um, uh, uh, but then something like this happens and makes you come in and look at you know the way you you are doing everything and where can we improve? where must mm-hmm. we improve and um and and bringing all these new elements into the mix, it's uh, that's just really interesting. I mean, that's a really interesting story. and 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 you know, in fact, like I don't you guys may not have done it, or it may have taken you a lot longer to do it, right, if not for all of mm-hmm. this. So. yeah, you know yeah, one of that. the things that we
2: did for many years, the school has been doing has been the correspondence courses. Um, and you know that's had a number of different artists who go back and they make corrections and actually mail it all through snail mail. Um, but what we always heard, even back from when I was a student was, can we take classes online? We, we don't wanna take the full-time program, but we just wanna take some classes online. Is there anything that you could offer? So once we started going online and we learned very quickly how we can teach these classes, we turned and we pivoted because in business or anything in life, you have to be able to pivot when something happens. You got to figure something out. You got to be able to roll with the punches. And we said, you know what? Let's create something brand new that the school's never done before. Let's go with an online studies division. So we created the Joe Kubert School Online Studies Mm
3: -hmm.
2: or the Joe Kubert Online Studies. And what it is is it covers everything, narrative art, basic drawing, writing, writing for film and animation, storyboarding, you know, you name it, we have them up there. We also offer workshops and these are all for the general public, you know, for those of us who maybe it's a little bit later in life and we know that we can't come to the full-time program because we have so many other things going on. But you know what? I've always wanted to take that narrative art course with Tom Mandrake, Sergio Cariello, Giovanni Valletta, and I wanna learn a little something about it. This is a great opportunity for them to be able to do it. We've also made the prices extremely affordable, um, and for the quality that you're going to get, uh, you, you can't beat it. Uh, we have Amy Chu or Sholly Fish teaching some of the writing courses as well. Um, we've got Maria Abe oh Maria Sinapo. Mm-hmm. She teaches some of our workshops that we have, and she's also done some of the basic drawing. Emma Kubert teaches basic drawing. Fernando Ruiz, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Prado has taught inking. Dan De Dio teaches our. of the pitch course which is really incredible can't recommend that enough Mm -hmm. and i mean it just the list goes on and on and on the quality of the instructors that we have teaching these are you know you you can't beat it Mm -hmm. and the same goes for our in-person classes but Mm -hmm. out of all this we learn so much and what we can offer and get really preach the word uh, of cartooning Mm -hmm. uh, to everybody around the globe in a way that could have never been done before
3: and it's and not then, just for, sorry, it's, no, it's not just for adults or anything like that. We are offering the kids' classes, too, because during COVID, you know, all the kids, between the stresses and everything and not seeing their friends, we wanted to make sure that we can give back to the little ones because, you know, they do read comics. They do want to draw and other things. So we had a bunch of the Saturday classes that we went remote for yeah. that, and we got Lee Weeks, Fernando, and um, mm-hmm. a bunch of other instructors, Emma Kuber, to just teach the kids for free, just get on and have fun and, you know, get that stress out, <laughs> not worry. That about was that. a really
2: nice, nice thing. I was really proud of that. And um, yeah. I definitely want to thank all the artists that were involved for really putting forth their time and helping out. I mean, because we know exactly what Jackie said. It was really difficult for not only for the adults, but definitely for the kids. You know, I mean, they had to deal with something that they probably just couldn't comprehend. Uh, so by having these free classes, it just was a nice way to get people to pay attention and see what's going on and get the kids drawing. Because like we were saying before, it's a great way to just stay young and have fun oh. and every little kid loves to draw. So the yeah. more we can kind of get kids drawing, the better.
1: I'm, I'm curious, can, uh, are, the, are any of the courses available buffet style without signing up for the entire program?
2: Yeah, 100%. I'm sorry, Dave, if I wasn't clear on that. The Uh, online studies courses, if you just want to take a basic drawing course, and we offer them throughout the season. So we kind of break them up into fall, you know, winter, spring, summer. Um, So like, for example, our next round of online studies courses begin uh, the week of October 18th. So they're mm-hmm. gonna be coming out. And so if you wanna just take the basic drawing with Fernando or Emma, you can do that. You don't have to take all the courses. So mm-hmm. it's really up to you. Now, if you wanted to enroll in the full-time program, you have to take all of the classes, but for right. the online studies aspect of it, you can pick at will.
1: Okay, that's that's good to know, you know, cause yeah. like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm still interested in educating myself even at this late date, um, you know, and some of that sounds great and I know, you know, Fernando has drawn comics that I've written and
3: stuff like
1: that. So it's, it's always nice to run into him at a con. Uh, Fernando is
2: one of, uh, well, first off, he's one of my best friends. He's an, he was an incredible mentor and teacher as well. Um, and I can't speak highly enough of him. He's an incredible artist, but just yeah, overall yeah. a great person. And we are so lucky to have him here at the school he's not only instructor now, but now he's also our admissions officer at the school too. And he is just fantastic. And uh, like I said, I don't want to gush too much cause I don't need him hearing this. And then his <laughs> yeah. But just an overall great person. And I can't recommend uh, to students or anybody else that's out there to, to look him up because he is a great, great instructor,
1: great person. Yeah. Look, we here at the Writers' Block are all in favor of people being praised uh, for, for their
3: <laughs>
1: fine personalities. There, there's not enough of that. I always, I always prefer the the positivity and mm-hmm. uh, you know saying saying the nice things about people that they deserve to hear. And Fernando definitely deserves to hear nice things.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. But uh, but yeah, have you got any plans for the future that we should know about at the school? Anything <laughs> expanding? Any? Yeah. Do you? Real? What are you got now? <laughs> any, any, <laughs> uh, any new faculty you're bringing
2: in? Anything like that? Well, we did uh, bring in a new instructor. Emma Kubert is now a part of our full time faculty, so we're really excited to welcome her. Um, we had some workshops with Klaus Jansen, uh, oh. Lee Weeks, and Andy Kubert have done master classes for us, which is which have been incredible. Um, my goodness, we have a fantastic thing coming up in November that we are absolutely. Thrilled about, and that is that we have Pixar actually coming out and doing a wonderful program with the students. So that's the first time that we've done this, and it's absolutely going to—it's—it's it's just game-changing for us to be able to have Pixar come out and meet with our students, and that's just incredible. Uh, we've also brought in Abe Oda, who's going to be teaching a master class as well each month. He's an alumni of the school. I mentioned him before, but he's also a director in animation. He's worked on things like Futurama, The Simpsons movie, We Bare Bears. Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, TIG and Seek, so much. Uh, Just a really fantastic person. So he's going to be starting, I believe, next Monday, I think it is, which is just awesome. I'm excited for the students to take part in that. We've upgraded all the programs. So now all the students will be learning storyboarding across all three years at the school. And they're also all receiving Storyboard Pro as part of their kits. So that's huge. Very excited about that. Uh, we're going to be headed off to Big Apple Comic-Con uh, this month in New York. Then we have New York Comic-Con after that, Motor City Comic-Con, and then I believe we're headed to C2E2 to close out the year. Nice. So you're at you're any of those events, please come up, say hello at the booth. We'll have lots of really cool stuff. We're going to have exclusive prints. We just ask that you make a donation to the local children's hospital in that city, and we'll be more than glad to hook you guys up with some cool swag.
1: Nice, when is Motor City?
2: I believe oh, that uh, it's the week, week right the after New York comic con, yeah. so I believe oh, what is okay. that be? Oh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, you know what though it's it's it's, it's great fun. to be able to do it, and I don't want to ever take it
1: uh, of course 15, for granted yeah. ever again. yeah, yeah. I know I still I, haven't I still haven't been back to a con in you know eighteen months, however long it's been, yeah. and i'm I'm missing it terribly you know it's I one of the I reasons wrote. it's the primary it's the primary reason Ryland and I started this podcast is we wanted yeah. this experience of hanging out with our fellow pros and chatting with them and you know
3: yeah that's what you miss now
1: yeah, yeah. i mean and the positive is you know i'm dealing with uh, leaf blowers and airplanes and not <laughs> not screaming over the music or having to push away creeps
3: yeah um, so there
1: there are, there are some pros to this over bar yeah. I I still miss Bark on a lot. We're we're
2: looking forward to going back. Uh, The last show that we went, we were actually at C2E2 right before everything happened. I think that was a week before everything shut down.
3: Yeah.
2: And um, I mean, we traveled out there. And I remember on the way back when we got home, we were like, do you think that this is it? Like for shows for a while. And sure enough, it was. So... uh, I'm very excited to see everyone again. Of course, exactly what you said. There's always like the weird little things, mm-hmm. but man, isn't, isn't it great to be able to see your friends again and just talk shop and have a good time? I mean, it's,
1: oh, yeah. it, it's no, a great
2: experience. It's,
1: and also, you know, going back, like I'm old enough to remember when comic book shops were invented. Like, you know, when I, my first comic books, I bought at what was then called a candy store. <laughs> which was a combination a candy store in the 70s was a if you put a diner in and a magazine rack in a rite aid
3: <laughs> right.
1: that, that was a candy store like there was a diner there was a lunch counter and a giant magazine store with comics and spinner racks and actually candy but uh, i don't know how i think it's what's important to children that matters <laughs> so like instead of being called a diner with a magazine rack it was a candy store But that's where i bought my first comics and when the direct market starts and comic book shops open one of the like the main draw of the comic book shop is oh a place where i'm not buying my comics next to a guy buying time magazine next to a guy ordering a sandwich Mm -hmm. we're all here to talk about comic books and buy comic books and yeah some of the toxic fan culture comes out of there and it takes a while for it to grow past I can't believe you're reading that comic. It takes a while to like grow past those guys. Mm -hmm. And there are still shops with those guys in them, obviously. Uh, And we're all here to combat that version of comic (laughs) book fandom where it's like, you read that. It's like being an enthusiast for the things you love rather than a downer on the things that you don't love. But uh, all that said. said, it's like that culture I always say that, you know, the fourth day of a Comic-Con, if it's a four-day Comic-Con, or the fifth, <laughs> I'm like, this is the Patan Death March of pop culture. <laughs> but the first day, stepping into the showroom, yep. you, absolutely, every single time, no matter how many cons I'm doing in a given year, it's always, like, that deep breath and, like, my people. <clears throat> I am with my look, you know, the, co- the cosplayers and the... Like it's a, it's a, it's a different culture. And when in the, in the seventies and eighties before Star Wars and Marvel took over the pop culture universe, it wasn't everywhere. You were not seeing Captain America jammies in Target and you had to go to a convention to meet anyone who knew who Steve Rogers was, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I still think that the expansion of that the nerds today—the degree to which they do not know how—there are like what seven Star Trek shows and six Star Wars shows and five. Like the idea that you would have one mm-hmm. good science fiction show on television. I always beat up on one show. I always beat up on the Man from Atlantis. It's a late '70s show. Patrick Duffy from Dallas. Oh wow! Played basically Aquaman, but it wasn't an off-brand Aquaman. <laughs> And it was the dumbest show in the world, and it had terrible special effects. But everyone I knew that was a nerd watched that show because that was literally it.
3: The only <laughs> <show>. <laughs>
1: that was the only science fiction show on network television in for a calendar year in the 70s. And then Star Wars comes out and changes all of that. And people go, oh, pe- nerds will pay money for this stuff if you make it well. Crazy. Yeah. 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 It, 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 I don't even really think it really, really exploded. exploded. Oh, I'm getting yeah. some reverb. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Um,
2: (laughs) That's going to drive me crazy. Uh, We we started getting, you know, I felt like a big explosion happened like the middle of the 2000, like 2007, 2006 is when it really started going crazy where every single show had something else on. You could Mm -hmm. learn about this one or that one. And then and now it's just like everything has it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to, I just watched the trailer for Hawkeye this morning. It looks yes. awesome, you know, uh, and I was so excited. And I, I even thought about that, like, wow, you know, when I was a kid, I was just so excited to watch Lois and Clark or you know, The Flash, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. you know.
2: And I yes. thought that that was incredible. Uh, super theory. friendly park reruns.
1: Oh, super! As a huge Jack Kirby fan, super, people sometimes forget this. Dark Side first appears outside of like comic books. No one is reading on yeah, super yeah. friends <laughs> like on the saturday morning super friends and i you know i was i think i was in college and i was like waking up on saturday mornings to watch super friends because it was dark side and i had never like <laughs> me that was such a like comic book deep nerdity, <laughs> you know character to see in a to see in a cartoon i was like that's some that's some wild shit. and now you know it's like we've got an ant-man we've got Two yeah. Ant-Man movies.
3: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> Three guard third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It's it's wild to me. But part oh, of the yeah. thing, I think a mistake that was made all along is every time someone went to make a superhero movie, they would literally just ignore 60 years of writing and stories and come up with a new screenplay that drew nothing from any of the comic books. And you're like, but there's all of this. Stuff man, like, why wouldn't you just pick up a comic book and go, Oh, hey, this uh, this Winter Soldier character is pretty interesting, we can put him in a movie, (laughs) you know, instead of just going, uh, It's Captain America versus I don't know, Colombian Drug Lords or something. It's like, No, that's not comic, (laughs)
3: there's a backstory, (laughs) yeah,
1: but but like the way that they ignored decades of storytelling to do original stories, uh, and then like eventually you know the light went off and now we're actually adapting comic books and i love i gotta say one of my favorite parts of watching any of these shows is freeze framing the 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 end credit page that says based on characters and plots from you know and then they list the 20 because it's such a complicated world it's like if Spider Man has one line, you got to put Steve Ditko's name in there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> if Captain America is in there, Joe Simon. Like you know that that we're finally seeing any kind of recognition of all of the work that's been done for so many years. You know, and and yeah, Hollywood tries to reduce us to the R and D department. You know, work working out ideas and plots and stories so that they can be adapted into. Two hundred million dollar movies for guys who were maybe paid fifty dollars a page, <laughs> you yep. know, back in the day. If that, you know, this my my whole thing with comics is that they're so
2: special, um, they don't get the credit that they truly deserve. And I hate hearing that people get into making a comic as if they want to treat it as a pitch for a film. Yep. You know, comics are the absolute best form of entertainment. There's no budget on what can happen inside of those pages. Mm -hmm. You're limited only by your imagination. How incredible is that? You can have the wildest special effects budget in the world if you wanted to. As long as you can take a pencil and you don't have to be, this could be for anyone in the world, anybody, anywhere in the world. As long as you can pick up a pencil and you can get yourself a piece of paper or leftover paper, doesn't even have to be anything, you can draw an incredible story, you can have fun forever, and it could be there for you to enjoy forever. Just put it down, don't don't stress about it. You know, everybody's so concerned about the tools that they're using, and oh, I got to use this uh, brand new program to draw this or that, you don't, you don't. Because at the end of the day, whether you're using uh, you know a, a computer to draw or you're using the, the pencil to draw, all it is is a tool. Don't ever yeah. limit yourself. You can do wonderful things by just letting your imagination go wild and having some fun. So if I can never tell anybody anything, get out there and just
1: draw, just have fun and draw. Well, that's the, you know, when I was making independent films, you, one of the questions you get all the time is like, Oh, what's the best camera? And I always say the one you have, the one you can afford, the one your buddy has in his garage, that is absolutely the best camera. And you would hear people say like, oh, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And I would always go, no, you don't. You don't, there is right. no, there is no have to when it comes to the technology of an art form. There is only, if there is a thing that has been proved over and over again till the end of time, it's that story is everything, everything else is secondary. Every every, I have seen well-written, well-acted movies that were horrifically poorly shot win yep. awards because the storytelling was good. The lighting was terrible, the storytelling was good. Uh the you know one of my when you get into the format wars in film I worked with this post production supervisor who had the greatest shutdown. You know there's 1080p is the sort of the there's 720 mm-hmm. right? 1080 which is the better HD. And then you start to get into 2K, 4K, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I was making some low budget, a low budget comedy in like 2011, 2012. And I think it was the DP that said, well, we should shoot in 4K. And the and this post-production supervisor said, Avatar is in 1080p, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like he said, yeah, we have to shoot in 4K. And he was like, "Yeah, Avatar's in 1080p. <laughs> and
3: you're like, will be okay. <laughs> Phantom,
1: Phantom Menace is in 1080p. Yep. Made $2 billion.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, you know, like, yes, if we don't want to make $2 billion, we need to shoot in 4 4- And it's like, there's a degree of, yeah, you use the best tool you can get your hands on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But this idea of... I think people use it as an excuse frankly. I'd make my film but I can't get a 4K camera. I'd right. make my, you know, I'd be a comic book artist but I can't afford a Wacom tablet. I can't afford right. I don't even know what the technology the cutting edge right now is. But like no, you know, uh, it's it's funny. I never thought about this until I went to work in the business but cave paintings make comic books literally the oldest form of art on the earth. Yeah. <laughs> like literally the oldest human art form is here's me with a spear, here's me with a spear stabbing a mammoth, here's mm-hmm. the mammoth dead, here's us all eating the mammoth. Yes. I made a strip. <laughs> you know, like can I well, do Well, I always tell everybody not,
2: but learning um, to draw or being able to tell a story with your, you're learning another language. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. It's an extremely complex language that you you pick up over time. And then to have that ability uh, and to learn it is a luxury that you should really appreciate and apply as much as you can. So, you know, like we said before, the fact that we're all on this little screen, on this monitor, discussing this right now, that's awesome. And it's all because Uh, we love storytelling. Mm -hmm. That's a great thing.
1: No, and, and, and it could be easily argued that aside from maybe prose writing, nothing has a lower entry bar in terms of cost and difficulty than drawing a comic strip than than drawing a panel than drawing a page. Like Mm -hmm. it's you you need no one's permission. You need as you said you need no one's permission. You need no special equipment. I've seen artists do amazing things with a sharpie with you know, a friggin' golf pencil, (laughs) like the worst mini golf pencil, the worst pencil in the world, you know. I watched Joe
2: Kubert up on stage and he was great. I love that Joe would do these sort of things. Uh, We were at a show. He literally had some mud on the bottom of his uh, boot or his sneaker that he had (laughs) on at the time and he grabbed a stick that he had found outside and he brought it in with him and he literally pushed some of the mud off of his shoe mixed it with some water and added it to the piece of art that he was working on right there in front of everybody in the panel so exactly what you're saying you don't need any of that stuff yeah if you can get first. a stick and some mud <laughs> right. we can
1: do it you know right so and, and, you, it, you it, know and really it is good. one of those it is an interesting thing i think i I don't know if it's completely universal, but drawing is one of those things we all grow up doing it. everybody's yep. yeah, everybody's doing it all the time when they're a kid, and you just you you know you fall out of the habit of it, you know you no longer have that that deadly time of sitting in a classroom listening to something that's boring you to tears, so you you know pull out your notebook and start doodling. Like most of the cartooning I've done in the last twenty years has been from uh on pads in terrible meetings where I was bored.
2: <laughs> you know, I, you know, that's one of the things we tell all of our students here is you know, this is the one place where you're allowed to doodle during the lecture.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. You know, we, we you better, want you, you better be doodling, as a matter of fact.
3: You, yeah, you better
2: be drawing. And you know, you'd be surprised how many times we have to remind the students you better be drawing. Yeah. You know, but uh It's just so it's so interesting to hear and you know what you're saying about when you're young and you know all little kids love to draw. Exactly you're saying it's universal. I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, But then you know I think that there's this fear in general with people where they don't know how to guide someone that wants to get into art or to try to turn it into a profession because we all have this idea of the starving artist. Uh, the, The only problem is that it's not true. You know there's So many different careers that you can get into that involve art. Everywhere you go, anytime you see an ad, every poster, every thing that's out there, every website that you visit involves artists of different kinds. You know, yeah, this might not be a comic book artist that created this program that we're using right now or to do all the design work, but there's graphic designers involved in that. Mm -hmm. And they had to have an idea, and a lot of it probably started off as simple sketches that they worked up. And shared around to get feedback. So all the ads that you see when you visit Target, you know everything that you see in there. Every single commercial, every show mm-hmm. that you watch, there's storyboard artists, set designers. There's so many jobs out there that you can get into right. as an artist. It's just being aware of that and kind of breaking up that idea mm-hmm. that uh, a lot of parents have or that the public have that there aren't many art jobs. Tricks sure. on you. There's a heck of a lot of art
1: jobs. Right. You know? So. Don't be afraid. Get out there. Create. Damn it, create. <laughs> well, and there's also there's also sort of the the semi toxic culture around the idea of selling out, around the idea of uh, if you make money at it, it's bad and wrong. And you right. know, I remember. Uh, I remember when Mad Men, Mad Men was on the air, there was a certain degree of like, well, he's a horrible person because he's making commercials. And it's like, aren't you the person who posted the thing about crying at the AT&T commercial a week ago? Like, And now you're saying commercials are incapable of being art in any way, shape, or form. Everything is capable of being art. And to me, and I th- some of this comes from my, my uh, hardworking writer father, that the gig is to infuse every dumb thing that comes across your desk that you can be paid for with art. The gig is, here's, a, here's, a, here's a, an ad for tomato paste. What are you going to do to make it something that people laugh or cry or remember or resonates for the rest of their life? We're all walking around singing cereal uh, jingles that we heard when we were eight years old. You want to tell me those songwriters aren't incredibly talented people? Yeah. yeah of course they are. Like the fact that we remember those lyrics. Here we go. <laughs> there's,
0: there's, somebody. I just, so, hey, talk about beautiful art. I, I, uh, yeah. they brought, they brought back the classic boxes. I, I, you know, I haven't bought a box of Frankenberry since I was, I don't know, 10. Uh, and I couldn't walk past it. I'm like, that's, that's one of the most, I mean, well, look at my room, first of all, but I was like, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. I need this, you know? But and, even taking and, and, a look
2: at that. Really quick, if you could pop that back up. I mean, let's take a look at that really fast. There was probably an art director involved. There's a letterer involved. There's a colorist. There's a photographer. There's clearly a penciler or inker if it's a combination. Uh, There's Mm. probably working in programs like Illustrator, Photoshop, Clip Studio. You have a graphic designer that had to create that logo that they slapped over there on the side as well. So I can't tell you how many people were involved in working on that logo. Just even the design of that box.
0: There's, yeah, there's, I mean, a chor- there's a choreographer because there's a, mm-hmm. a yeah. to-
2: <laughs> So think about but how yeah, many revisions they uh, had to go through just to get to that box so yeah. that's that's the prime example of trust me there was a ton of people involved in creating that piece of box art Absolutely. you know it's, it's not just some guy yeah. down in the basement yeah. <laughs> yeah. Working well, next, on it, but
1: that, that's why it's great that you're doing classes on storyboarding and on animation and having Pixar come in Because I just think I have pushed since I started out the idea of, like, do all the things you can. Apply whatever talents you have to whatever thing crosses your desk. And, yeah, don't be ashamed. The yuppies put a zap on our heads in the 80s and gave us (laughs) the idea that making money turned you into the worst person in the world. And uh, it took my generation, Generation X, it took my generation a minute to go. That's not really true. Like you don't actually have to turn into. You know, uh, Rylan uh, made a joke about Gordon Gecko at the beginning. It's like some of us thought. Like anything that led to you owning a house made you Gordon Gecko,
3: right. and
1: it's like no, that's not really true. And you don't have to be starving in a garret writing poetry that even the Utney Reader won't publish. Like you you can apply any of those skills to things that make money. And it does not make you a bad person. It does not make you less of an artist. Every artist that you've ever heard of, someone was paying them, (laughs) you know, or someone paid for them down the road, you know, uh, even if it was, you know, Van Gogh's brother sending him money so that he could keep painting. Mm -hmm. It's uh, we all, You know, I I said at the end of, you know, when when people objected to the end of Mad Men, I was like, look, we're all selling Coca-Cola. The question is, what are we using Coca-Cola as a vessel to express to an audience? And if you remember the finale of Mad Men, it's the iconic Coke commercial. You know, I want to teach the world to sing. It's like... So, yes, it's a very early 70s, late 60s idea to take. Go, I'm going to take Coca Cola and make it a message of world peace. Mm. It's ridiculous, but I was there. People cried. <laughs> it was actually a message people wanted to hear as the Vietnam War was winding down. At like, I want to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, actually, was a resonant, beautiful thing to tell people. And the guy who wrote that, was selling coca-cola and there, you know i th- i think that the self-righteousness that comes with i'm not selling coca-cola i'm making great art it's like did you check out the pages in the comic book that weren't your work because there there's some ads in there
3: yeah you may
1: you may have noticed there were some ads in there and cool nothing wrong with that you yeah. know hold on one moment sorry that's all right but uh
3: but no, yeah, I so, agree with you, and and not like what Ryland was saying too. It's like you know, you grow up and you got bills, you got yeah. responsibilities and stuff like that. It's not a sellout. It's you know, you got to do it. Not only is it something that you enjoy, but you know, there's nothing wrong with you know benefiting it from. But that. yeah, the, I don't the, think so. <laughs> the
1: the Mona Lisa was some Italian nobleman saying, "Here's 150 bucks, paint my wife."
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, like that's the ultimately, you know, this beloved eternal piece of art that everybody loves. The yeah, genesis true. of it was absolutely. Here's three hundred lira. I want you to paint my wife. Have her smile a little bit. That'd be nice. She never smiles. I don't know what she. <laughs> I don't know what the hell she's thinking. So if you could just, you know, if if you if you could capture that, that would be great. Um, and said so you just got a little. Yeah. yeah. And that's and, my Mona Lisa impression. I'm sorry. It's
2: not that good. <laughs> no, it is
1: good. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, I'm always glad to hear about a school training young artists and people who are coming up in an industry and training them to know all of the ways their talents can be turned into something that can benefit them even as they express themselves. Yes, because yes. here in this world, and unless you are, independently wealthy you are not just expressing yourself for the sake of expressing yeah. yourself <laughs> ever
0: well, yeah well here's the thing i mean we're we're you know we're still treating it like it's this black and white thing like either you're an artist or you're and i know we're chipping yeah. away at that but it's like there is nothing more noble and more awesome than entertaining people you know what i'm yeah. saying you can, you can make a great piece. I I, I went to the American Film Institute Conservatory. It is the, it is the, I I studied directing there. It is the king of studio filmmaker, you know, nonsense. Um, You can make, you know, a very snooty, uh, you know, artistic film and, you know, maybe a hundred people see it Mm -hmm. and, oh, this is a great piece or whatever. Like, you know, uh, uh, you know, we need to be entertained. I mean, if the last 18 months have, have proven anything, you know what saved us was it was comic books, it was Netflix, it was you know what I'm saying. These are the things yeah. that, kept, that that kept us sane and united us as a uh, as a population. These are the things that we talked about. This was the soul food, and so and so yeah. There's there is the snooty artistic stuff that you know whatever hanging up in a museum and stare at it. Um, what feeds the soul? What what makes you excited to sit down in front mm-hmm. of the television or pick up a book? Like what? what puts a smile on your face after a, 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 nut punch of a day, it's this stuff, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, that's, you know,
3: I think that's it's really the to, the, to, yeah.
0: to the individual and, yeah. and I'll,
2: am going to, I'll make this as short cause I have students knocking at the door. So that's why I have it. <laughs> yeah. We'll let times. you go in a minute.
3: Yeah. But,
2: um, you know, I think it depends on the person uh, at the end of the day create what you like, create what you love, tell a story that you want to tell. I love having fun. I love superheroes. I love big adventures. I I just love all that kind of stuff. So that's what I want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you love and that's what you want to do, do it, but do it to the best of your ability. Have Mm -hmm. a great time doing it. You know, if you want to do that piece of fine art and you want to be in the museum, be that artist, be that person, go all out, you know, live it, breathe it, every single day, have it there. Um, But you know, when you write, write the story that you want to tell, write the story that you want to read, you know, have fun. Because you know what, if if you're having a good time when you're doing it, I can guarantee that somebody else out there is going to enjoy it too. Because there's an audience for everything. If we learned anything with the internet is that you can find an audience out there and you've never been able to find an audience as well as you can now. So- Definitely true. Just get out there and create. And then just to give some quick information on the school, uh, if anybody would like to look up the school, please visit our website, www.cubertschool.edu. You can also find us on all social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So be sure to look up the Cubert School on any of those. We're always updating all of our different things with uh, all the different cool events that we have going on at the school, our guest speakers, our online studies, our in-person figure drawing courses that we offer uh, to the general public. And of course, if you want to apply, visit the website and you can apply. And like I said, online studies fall program begins the week of October 18th. So that'll be up on our website soon. So look for that to register. Um, And of course, look for us at Big Apple Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, Motor City Comic-Con, and then C2E2. We'll be at all those shows. So be sure to look us up and find us there. And I'm sorry for cutting it short, guys. I really apologize, but thank you all so much for having us on the show. Uh, we yeah. had a really good time. I would love to come back and talk. Uh, I th- you know what? I think next time, if you'll ever have us on again, uh, I would love to do it maybe a little bit later in the day. That's my
1: fault. But then this way, <laughs> uh, I
3: can give you
1: my No, that's quite thing. all right, Anthony. Now we lo- we'll have you back sometime again, definitely. But thank you so much for coming on. We usually ask people to wrap up by telling us where they can be found and what their information is. So you jumped <laughs> right ahead to that and filled everybody in. I knew it
2: was coming so I try you know I, I tried to try to help out a little bit here in so, As an yeah, editor yeah. it's my job to help the talent you know I'm helping the <laughs>
3: talent, well, well you man. were
1: you were a great editor and I miss working with you
2: oh it's all good man it's, it was a lot it was a, a joy getting to work with you I always Thank I never you. if any anybody's watching this you never have to worry about David missing a deadline he hits every <laughs> deadline <laughs> it's a great script very little notes if any you have to go into it Thank uh, you. true professional writes great stuff great writer so thank you sir
1: and thank you guys for coming on the show we'll let you uh we'll let you run off and then we'll do our own sign-offs okay. great thanks guys
2: thanks thank you guys so much us. appreciate thank it very you. much
3: take, take care easy, guys bye-bye
1: so that was your intro to the qbert school Uh, which has been around since the seventies. I figured it had been about that long. I, I feel like I had been seeing the, the ads for about that long. Um, but it's pretty wild stuff. And I'm not exaggerating. If you look at any world war II comic from the seventies, it has a Joe Kubert cover. It's like, his, his output was amazing. So Ryland, where can the kids find you currently? Uh,
0: I'm, uh, I'll be at the Joe Kubert school. I'm applying tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am, uh, I am at, uh, Ryland Grant, uh, on all forms of social media. That's R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. As per usual, uh, I always spell it. Um, it's not a real name. My parents drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. So now I have to spell it, uh, for you. Um, the Ringo award-winning aberrant and the four-time Ringo nominated Pam Jacks. Can be found in uh, fine comic shops everywhere. Um my let me a second, my Kickstarter books, um, the Astral Projection Thriller, The Jump, and my Fargo S Crime Drama, the Peacekeepers can be found uh on uh BackerKit right now. If you go to thejump jump2.backerkit.com, uh you'll find everything there, as well as uh signed copies of Everett and Banjacks and everything else. Um I meant to kind of pimp it up front and I didn't, but um, we have a really interesting, uh, uh, a lot of our viewers will know uh, Edwin Acasio, the comic jabroni, um who was a, a very prominent uh, uh, comic YouTuber who uh, died tragically uh, uh, about a year ago. Um, and uh, he was just a, a huge um, uh, uh, cheerleader, proponent, uh, promoter of indie creators like us. Um, and, uh, you know, he left behind a wife and, and two kids. And so I got together with another, uh, uh, comic YouTube, uh, show called Lost in Comics and we put together a special, um, I, I you know, I don't have art on it right now. Unfortunately, maybe we could pop something up uh, during the edit or something like that, but it is a, uh, a, a combined version of the jump one and two and a really nice, uh, uh, uh sort of, um, uh, prestige format book like this, uh, almost like a trade paperback. Gorgeous volume. It is the only combined uh, 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 volume of the Jump 1 and 2, and it has a Edwin Acasio comic jabroni tribute cover uh, uh, on it. Um, and so we're doing a uber limited edition. It's signed and numbered by me. There are all sorts of other goodies that go into it and come with it. Um and so that is up on the backer kit right now. Again, the jump two dot backer kit.com, the jump one word, the number two, the jump two dot backer kit.com. And so we're selling those. Uh all the proceeds, every penny go to Edwin's family, to his wife and his kids. Um great. so nice nice tribute for him, but a, a nice thing to do for a great guy. Um and of course go pick up Suicide Jockeys. Uh that is our uh Yes, our, it is excellent, our, good fun. Our roadhouse uh cover, and so that's in comic shops now, but uh Let's know where to find you, Avalone.
1: That's very nice. Uh, yeah, we still have Elvira meets Vincent Price out in the world. The, uh, the trade paperback of Shape of Elvira just dropped, which is a, was a limited, uh, series, kind of an Elvira parody of The Shape of Water. Um, and I got some Kickstarters coming up in the near future, but I can't announce them just yet. But that's about it for this episode of the writer's block. Thanks for listening and learning (laughs) and uh, we'll see you on the next exciting episode.
0: Thanks, guys. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five star review. And wherever you're watching and/or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on the Writers' Block.
2: For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.